You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Before you're seated, will you pull out that black book in the pew rack in front of you and open up the Bible to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. You'll find that on page 979 of the pew Bible. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Let's read this text aloud together in the presence of the one who deserves our worship tonight. After we're done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. And if you believe it, you can say thanks be to God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Listen carefully. You're reading God's word. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. Please be seated. Young girl by the name of Alice, after her adventures in Wonderland, finds herself again taken into a strange world as she's in the parlor and passes through the looking glass, the mirror, uh, into this Next set of adventures. And Alice meets several interesting creatures as she goes behind the looking glass, and among whom is one who is a queen. And the queen has all sorts of rules and regulations. Among them, a regulation for the eating of jam, of all things. And I want to read this rule to you. The queen says to Alice, the rule is, Jam tomorrow and jam yesterday, but no jam today. It must come sometimes to jam today, Alice objected. No, it can't, said the queen. It's jam every other day, and today isn't any other day, you know. I don't understand you, said Alice. It's dreadfully confusing. So... I guess it would be, if you follow the logic of the queen, true that if we're to eat jam only every other day, we'd never eat it today because today isn't any other day. It's just today. This for uh, Lewis Carroll is, of course, a logic game, as he loved, and a parlor trick. But it becomes far more significant if we're not talking about jam, but talking about God. And I ask myself, Do I somehow have a rule about God, that it's God every other day? Oh, yes, I believe in a God of yesterday, a God who spun the galaxies into existence, who was in the beginning and created all things. Yes, I believe in a God who comes at the last day to bring justice and peace to this war-torn planet. Even in the story of my own life, Yesterday, a childhood faith that seemed to be able to make sense of the world when it all went as it should. And maybe at the end of my life, one day I will put on my socks for the last time and I hope step into another world and there we'll see my maker. But what about today? Have I created for myself an every other day God? Is God present? Is God active? 
Is God even interested in my life today? What an important set of questions to ask tonight. Is there any better night than the night on which we celebrate the incarnation than to wonder about God's involvement in our own lives? The text, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Actually, in the word order of the original, Jesus Christ, yesterday and today, the same. And under the ages, the writer says. It's the writer of Hebrews. You know, so much of the New Testament is given to us in the form of letters, epistles. And this is one of them. And when you read a letter... You realize that you're only listening to one half of the conversation. It's like walking into the kitchen, you know, and someone's on the phone and they're going, mm-hmm, yeah, no, really, she? And you're, and you're just dying to know, what's the other person saying? What's the other half of the conversation? We'd love to know as well with Hebrews what it is, what questions are being asked to which this little sentence is the answer. Jesus Christ, the same today. We get a little bit of a window into it if we look at the paragraph that precedes verse 8. There in that paragraph, the writer seems to be addressing rather ordinary issues that come up in life. The writer speaks to friendships, suffering, marriage, sexuality, finances. And you get the idea that these people are a lot like us, wrestling with real-world stuff in the present tense. This letter to the Hebrews is written to uh, people who are living probably a generation and a half after Jesus' birth. Second-generation believers. They didn't know him firsthand. And now in the midst of just kind of regular life, there are questions, well, who is he to us today? Yes, wonders in the past. He walked with people, he spoke their name, he whispered in their ear of a world beyond, of love and grace and peace, the world has never known, and, and yet it's available to them and him. But what about my life? Is there God yesterday, God tomorrow, but never God today? Christmas causes us to look back at yesterday. It turns us back with all the nostalgia and the traditions and the ritual. Reminds us to, to go back to that first night. And, and so we do. And, and, and as we do, we notice two things about God's activity. Two things. One about ourselves. It's more the nature of our lives today. And another thing, more about God. Not logic games. Not parlor tricks. But the work of God today. The first thing we notice is that Jesus comes into our mess that's, and that, and there is where we will meet him. Because that's where he comes, into the mess of our lives. We may say, Jesus, we'd rather have our religion pure and spotless. So, you know, if you could avert your eyes until I can clean up, tidy up my room, the life that I'm living right now, then I'll make it fit, and then tomorrow you can come in. No, he comes right into the mess. Think of Mary. Mary, this young adolescent. And I tell you, this girl is a long way from home. She's a long ways past her curfew. She's in a strange town. She's in some kind of a, uh, a stable, possibly a cave 
with a feeding trough and animals. She's with a man she hardly knows in all probability. She's not married to him, yet she lies on a dung-covered floor, cold and hard to her in the pain of childbirth. I mean, you, you know the story, and so you, you, you bring all these assumptions to the story, expectations, understandings about the beauty of this moment and what God is doing and how significant it will be for Mary and for the world. But apart from a whisper in her ear from an angel a little while ago, Mary's clueless. This is a crisis for Mary. This is life at its darkest, at its ugliest. And I don't know what's going through Mary's head, but i got to believe it's something like, I don't know if I make it through this alive. And then when I think about raising a child as a single mother in this society, I don't know if I want to make it out of this night alive. That's real. That's where Mary is living. And yet God, in His grace, has set it up so... It's exactly there that he shows up. The one time he takes on human flesh and human history is in the middle of crisis. Life when it's not going the way it's supposed to be going. Life when it's an absolute mess. He comes into our pain. That's where he comes. The second thing we see about Jesus, not so much about our lives, but it's more about him and his sense of timing. I think of the shepherds. On that first night, the shepherds, um, I don't really know too much about shepherding, but it doesn't seem like that complicated of a job. Honestly, I get envious from time to time. I don't know that shepherds carried blackberries or had to, you know, it's, they're out there and it's a cold and dark night, clear sky, and uh, they're just watching sheep fur grow. Right? These got to be the most patient people on the face of the earth, low blood pressure. And in the middle of that, there's an interruption. The, the, the sky parts somehow and there's a heavenly chorus and there are angels, whatever that is. And, and you see, the, the, their lives are interrupted. And that's the second thing we see about God. Is he, he comes into the present. We're struggling with the ordinary mess of our lives and He comes right into the presence. And He, and he, and he, he breaks Apart, the expectations that we have, he breaks our attention span away from the things that concern us. All he asks of these shepherds, and when he comes that night, is for their attention. Will you listen to good news? Can you hear me now? What the angels say to the shepherds is, To you is born today in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. He's born today. That word becomes significant in the life and ministry of Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, just alone, we see it coming up again and again. Jesus begins his earthly ministry, probably at the age of 34. He comes back to his hometown of Nazareth. They honor him by allowing him to read the scripture in the synagogue that day. They hand him a scroll, and Jesus opens it up to Isaiah 61 and reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
And then Jesus, Luke tells us, rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then Jesus spoke again. And he said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Later on, he'd be teaching from this same scripture. A crowd is gathered and four people bring a paralytic, paralyzed man on a cot to him. And Jesus, seeing his core need, says to him, I tell you, my son, your sins are forgiven. And there's an outrage in the crowd. Who does this man think he is that he can forgive sins? And Jesus, understanding what their reason in their hearts, says, I tell you what, to show you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I also say to this man, stand up and walk. And he does. Amazement seized all of them, Luke writes. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen strange things today. Another crowd on a procession going through Jericho, Jesus sees a tax collector, portly, short, in a tree to get a view. And he says, Zacchaeus, you're coming. Uh, I'm coming to your house for lunch today. And, and we don't get a lot of description of how the conversation goes. But all of a sudden, Jesus sees his face brighten in that house. Because somehow Zacchaeus has a moment of faith where he's able to gl- glimpse the freedom of repentance. And Jesus, seeing that look in his eyes, says, I tell you, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house today. And even... With his dying breath. Jesus Christ, as you know, crucified on a cross, hangs between two thieves. You know, Jesus couldn't even die in peace. These two criminals on either side of him engage in an argument with one another. And one says, be quiet. You and I deserve what we get. This one has done nothing wrong. Then he looks over to Jesus and says, Jesus, when you come tomorrow in your kingdom, will you remember me? To which Jesus answers, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's Jesus' way in the moment. If you and I, Lewis Carroll gets it wrong, the queen gets it wrong. If you want jam, there's no way you can eat jam in yesterday. There's no way you can eat jam in tomorrow. The only space in which you and I can eat jam The only space in which you and I can experience this Savior is today, right now, in the present. God has no other space for the operation of His grace. And so, He says to the Hebrews, in your friendship, in your marriage, in your sexuality, in your finance, in your suffering, will you invite me in? Will you allow me to be your savior today? I know how to do it. I want to do it. I'm eager to do it. Just say the word. It's on Christmas night that we see that Jesus steps into our mess. And he steps in to bring salvation right now. I I don't know, as I say, what goes through Mary's head, but if she were to lay back on the hay that night and ask herself this question, what is God doing right now? What does my life have to do with His? She need look no further than but a few feet away 
from her feet. And there she will see a feeding trough of hay wrapped in a few strips of cloth, the wrinkled skin of God himself. The one in whom she and you and I live and move and have our being come now to invite us into his grace. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray. That first Christmas night, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mary heard a voice crying in the manger. And it had been some 450 years since someone had said, Thus saith the Lord. And yet on this night God speaks. And Luke tells us that she treasures these things and ponders them in her heart. Which I think means Mary is coming to believe. We ask you tonight to help us to come to believe. That our Savior is here with us in the midst of whatever we're going through right now. We thank you for this imponderable gift, O Lord. We're so uh, overwhelmed and amazed by its immensity, however little or much of it we can glimpse tonight, that it fills our hearts with joy, and we want to respond. And so we gather together tithes and offerings tonight, and, and we give them away. We give them away to those who still need to hear this message, who still need your touch, hope, joy, and peace in the midst of a dark night. So we give generously and we ask that your Holy Spirit accompany these gifts as they fly around the world, bringing the proclamation of peace, goodwill. We pray it in Jesus' name and we pray it for his sake. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.